The uh, theme for the afternoon talk is the knower and knowledge. The long uh, spiritual uh, tradition of India has uh, taken a great interest in the importance of knowledge. In this uh, long history, dating back uh, more than uh, uh, 3,000 years, there has been and continues to be a certain kind of formation that takes place. And what I mean by that, there is a person or two or more, she or he, imparts uh, knowledge. There are a group of people such as that we have here and there are those uh, of the group of people who listen to the knowledge. And the knowledge which the one imparts has the importance that it's genuinely related to experience, it's related to uh, insights and understanding, and then the language emerges out of that, which is called the knowledge, which is then imparted to the other. The other, the ones who listen, in the uh, listening there are two or more aspects which accompany the listening. Sometimes the listening is, we listen, there is the receptivity and then based on what we listen to, we apply. Meditation instructions in the morning. Sometimes we listen to the afternoon talk, the guided meditations or the inquiry in the evening. And from the listening, we then say to ourselves, let me see what my experience is of mindfulness of breathing. Let me see what my experience is of really mindfully, slowly walking up and down, of abiding uh, in, in the silence of having a very soft, gentle conscious kind of day so some knowledge is given some direction is given timetable, the, the, the structure and then the important thing following on from that is each woman and man here is then invited to see from your own experience what is valid, supportive and insightful from that. Another aspect of this is in the process of the listening there sometimes we listen that of course in the form here in other occasions as well where the listening, something is said to us here or in daily life which touches us 
it brings out of us some inspiration and from that we check it out for ourselves to see from our experience and of course that could be travelling to a location it could be exposure to a teaching and many many other things and therefore in the process of the listening we wish to be as clear as possible is the listening in order for us to apply something to see if it works is the listening contributing to giving us some uh, inspiration to explore, to change, to whatever and there is another expression of the listening as well that in the process of listening and it could be a general theme it could be a sentence or a few words in what is spoken that something touches us something resonates with us and we sense and know it's important it's deep it touches us uh, there and in that listening when something has touched well and deep and we resonate with it there is no necessity to do anything about it it's done its job and there are possibly here and in other circumstances of our daily life where we hear something sometimes we read something uh, a person friend or stranger different circles says something to us and we just respond in the immediacy of it we don't actually have to do anything about it we can just listen just let it rest with us and just see for ourselves what comes out of it don't stand the difference sometimes we listen it's inspirational and we respond sometimes we listen and it's practical and we apply sometimes uh, we listen there is a direct insight a direct intuitively, intuitive sense this is important we don't have to do anything about it we just trust with it and in that trust uh, with it it kind of does itself it, it will bring its own benefit uh, uh, there you will know and the yogis and the practitioners of past and present have made this very clear if something has truth to it this is important the truth is not ever in the language it's not in the belief it's not you or I making a claim over uh, uh, things truth in the deep and best sense of it has an enduring value to it if it's true it's gone deep if it's true it will contribute to staying with us it will be beneficial and this is what truth is, truth is about and it's unfortunate 
that sometimes truth is put into um, the language of the box scientific truth religious truth social truth uh, but in these teachings truth if it touches us makes a genuine difference to our life in a healthy and beneficial way then truth has touched us if it hasn't gone deep and if it hasn't touched us uh, there it's not called truth in this language it's called a view truth changes and as one of the great sages said I think his name was Jesus you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free that's a precious powerful one liner views and opinions <laughs> not much hope I'm afraid in the act of the process there going back 3000 years now the form that's taking place here with us is frankly no real difference between all the generations that have gone before us and if this uh, uncertain world continues uh, the same forms of practice, meditations, listening to knowledge will continue to take place, all being well there. And what I just to mention with regard to this, the, uh, the, the, the yogis, in the West we often call it the practitioners, the yogis, yeah, yeah, yeah. yogis. I gave a talk in London a couple of uh, uh, years ago at the, the centre where Dora uh, goes to offer her lovely uh, Ayurvedic uh, massage and so they asked asked if I kindly come and give a talk and the title of the talk is Yoga, Yoga, Yoga but where are the yogis? and the yoga teachers also came as well as the the practitioners uh, there and the small point that I'm making no, it's, no, it's not a small point, it's a big point, big enough anyway, is that sometimes the form called the asanas, genuinely precious and beautiful, healthy and healing and harmonious and integrated and, and you know, truly a, a, a precious uh, yoga practice. But as with meditation, and as with mindfulness, and as Patanjali, one of the one of the great founders of yoga, points out extremely uh, clearly, it belongs to a bigger body of teaching. In 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 the, the discourses, the suttas, like mostly small couplets or four lines of Patanj- uh, Patanjali, probably written around two thousand years years ago. One of the great founders of yoga, with four verses out of the book on the asanas. If you ask the yogis in India, mention the word asana, will not immediately think in terms of the variety of asanas which are available. The first thing 
that would come to the mind of the, at least the yogis when I was living in India the years and wandering up and down this uh, 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 country and in the ashrams with the yogis first thing they would think of is the sitting posture asanas or if you want to put it in English asanas it's the sitting posture is the first that, that comes to, uh, to mind when we think of it in a, a bigger body it's the same with these kind of teachings it's a teaching which has acquired the knowledge of informing us, reminding us of karma yoga, reminding us of jnana yoga, the knowledge through the listening, in the ways that I just spoke to you about. Um, Jnana yoga, the yoga of meditation, which we are engaged in uh, here. Bhakti yoga, the yoga of devotion, what in life is worth being devoted to. People like me, I'm uh, devoted to the, to the Dharma. And so when there's also the yoga of lifestyle, of a certain moderation with everything in lifestyle uh, there. And that's part of a yogi way of life. And we need to remember and explore and share and communicate the largest sense of what yoga is the largest sense of what the Dharma is and this moderation in lifestyle service to others, karma yoga the heart's devotion to what is important in uh, life the practical use of knowledge uh, in life the yogis and the Buddha's Dharma, they go together like milk and honey, they go together. They, inter- they flow together smoothly as could be. Because it's part of a long standing exploration and, uh, and uh, tradition. So, in the teachings, both of the, the Buddha and uh, here, there is some listening sometimes in that which you listen to from Noah from myself it may bring the response as I mentioned and from that response it may bring about some reflection why did this touch me? why Why did this touch me when, whatever, Christopher mentioned about devotion? (coughs) Why did it feel important to really look at impermanence? What is the uh, uh, relationship I have with a nutritious diet? Whatever. What is a noble silence rather than being quiet? And just a small uh, reminder on, on that, there is here a world of difference between noble silence and quietly talking. Quietly talking is words and language and exchanges which uh, uh, take place. And even if others can't hear, it has a distraction to the two people and to others. And do remember there that the great act of kindness here is the respect for the noble silence 
because with the noble uh, silence it means that one's not entering with the words into the quiet space of the other and in that quiet silent space that we uh, give support to each other it's a real act of kindness because that space contributes to further inner space and that contributes to further insight and understanding so there is knowledge at times something may touch us there may be some reflection uh, on it and if the inner voice is saying to you when you listen I need to remember this whatever it is this feels feels to be important for me and I wish to apply this there the Buddha then says with this this one accepts this one accepts in our lazy minded western world forgive me for the gross generalisation here, no don't forgive me for the gross generalisation we often hear even from the, the, uh, uh, some of the uh, teachers it's forgivable but only just oh we have to learn to accept things as they are and we have to learn to accept just to, uh, to be much more accepting uh, etc and it is sometimes put out to us as if it's the answer to all our prayers just to accept, just to accept, just to accept her just to accept him, just to accept that, just to accept myself accept, 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 boringly accept and I got a little concerned a little concerned is an English understatement and so I went to the suitors of the uh, of the Buddha and checked checked out is this word acceptance used in the text with as much frequency as it's used in these uh, in environments that you and I are in uh, uh, here the only locations where it could be found there is just as I reported Firstly, one meditates, reflects, inquires, looks into. Firstly, one does that, follows the Dharma practice in everyday language. And having taken an interest in and explored and inquired into and looked at and come to some understanding about, maybe the understanding is I need to do this, as an example, At this point, one accepts. One accepts the insights and the understanding which have come to you. And it's important to remember that rather than, oh, I've got got so many problems in my life, I have to accept them. No, you don't. Don't accept the problems. The problems will not be resolved by a passive acceptance of them. You might go quiet with them and say, oh, I've, I've accepted my life as it is. No, you haven't. Not a chance. 
Oh, I've accepted my life. I've accepted the way things are. Not a chance. You think life is going to be so kind to you that it's going to allow you to accept everything that happens? Not a chance. Life, nature, other people will come into our life and go... There is a really valid place in life for non-acceptance. Non-acceptance of greed. Non-acceptance of abuse. Non-acceptance of the trauma. Non-acceptance of the anguish. Non-acceptance of the disappointment or whatever. So in life, we explore, we look, we share, we meditate on, we reflect upon. We try to, not easy, try to find some understanding. And then having, not perfectly, feeling, I'm uh, uh, really understanding this better, I'm really understanding this more clearly. Having understood more, one accepts it. It's an outcome of exploration, uh, which is there. And as I say, if something in your life you've looked at and you feel the change is needed and you've explored other avenues and they haven't worked and you feel a fresh change is needed and a real sense of needing to move on from, not as a reaction, not as um, uh, from a place of anger inside of us, that wish to move on, having looked at everything, you accept you've looked, nothing really changed, then you move on. Then you make the change. It's not a reaction. It's an emergence out of the understanding. Sometimes with life, there's an important uh, uh, aspect uh, here uh, as well, the inner voice of concern inwardly and outwardly must make the short and rather important journey from the inner voice to this voice. It's a really important journey. It's just a matter of centimetres, but pretty important centimetres. And sometimes, (coughs) when you and I in life, and that may occur here as well, really feel the need to express our concern, whatever it might be about, to find the voice um, and the description of what it is that one needs to say. Quite often, especially in our circles, I must uh, say here, that the wish to be calm and clear is precious and important, obviously. But it would be a pity if in staying calm and clear uh, in daily life, an outcome is of it is we lose our voice. We're afraid we might sound judgmental. We're afraid we might sound arrogant. We're uh, afraid we might feel misunderstood uh, there. So the vigilance, mindfulness, listening to the deep inner voice, 
everything from global issues, from climate change, to social issues, to personal issues, whatever. Can I find the voice from the inner voice, which is deep, to express the concern? We've got to find the voice. Liberation is a liberation of this voice as much as any other kind of liberation. The whole, it's the liberation of the whole being. People think liberation is a mind-only event. It's not the whole being there. The yoga teachers need to speak much more about renunciation, devotion, service, knowledge, meditation, and expand on that, and a sustainable way of life, to be authentic yogis. The mindfulness teachers need to be able to walk into the corporations and, and speak about the policies of the corporations and the exploitation and the money manufacturing and the tax evasion and not to be afraid to start talking there. You know, we with our friends and listen to each uh, other to find ways to share, as we do here, to share our experiences and to really also listen to the voices of others who sometimes they need us not to give them lectures and not to give them answers um, and all sorts of advice sometimes our love and our kindness is by the act of listening itself so she or he or they is talking from their experience we are really listening we're asking some questions she or he is bringing some response uh, to our questions and sometimes the insights which come from the person come from the person all we have done is listen and just asked a few questions and not having an answer to the question we just ask and sometimes in life, you and I and others, we just need a person that we can talk to, who can listen to us, and with whom we can respond because we're just interested in the person. We like people. We practice kindness and metta. We develop friendships. We, we see each other as coexistent, coexisting together. And out, out of that the insights and understanding can come because there's a kindness which is running through in what we share or what we listen to. It was touched upon yesterday evening <clears throat> a little bit uh, just touched upon uh, in the evening time a little bit around image and how easily in life an image um, arises and we look at a situation through the image and that uh, image which has no substance, it's just an image, gets in the way 
of what the reality actually is uh, there. And sometimes we hardly know it. May I give you two uh, examples here uh, 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 from home last year or uh, a year or two. Um, my daughter, Nishona, um, we took her to, uh, brought her to India when she was um, five months old. We wanted her to get off to a good start in life. And uh, so now she's, uh, how old is she? 37 uh, now, and her good mum is just 10 minutes walk away from me uh, uh, up the road. And Nishona has four kids, single mum with four kids. Quite a fun household, I have to say. And but she separated from her husband uh, a few months ago. And the kids, with unwavering insight into their mother, because sometimes, you know, the gurus are small. <laughs> and the kids all agreed, well, the three, they can, the older one, all agreed, they said to her, we have decided you're a much better mum when you're a single mum. And she couldn't argue. Less stressed, happier, uh, uh, there, and more time for the kids, and less difficulty with the ex, and uh, the, the kids appreciate it. And all the kids, they're um, Anglo-Caribbean, yeah, so nice colour. And my grandson, who wishes to be a lawyer, who's 17, he wants to be a lawyer because he loves arguing and he thinks it's the perfect job. <laughs> you know, as, as my daughter said, he will argue with you that the sky is green until you agree. <laughs> that kind. They're sitting in the car. Mother. Caribbean partners. She finds us whitey guys a bit boring. And she said, oh, he said to her, she said something. Oh, she said, oh, what, it, what on earth is going, what is she? Comment was, what on earth Earth is going on in Pakistan. This is what she said. It's listening to the news, and very sadly, one of these terrorist attacks took place um, just at a mosque. Some terrible deaths. What on earth is going on? What are these people doing? This, this suicide bombing and this uh, 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 killing uh, um, uh, outside the mosque. What's go what the hell's going on in Pakistan? My grandson, sitting in the car next to her, turned to his mum, works for social services, works for immigration, works for refugees, asylum seekers, is an ambassador for community relationship. He turned to her and he said, you're a racist. <laughs> so his mum, of all people, <laughs> what do you mean, I'm a racist? 
not the best thing to say to my uh, darling daughter uh, there. And he said, you're judging a whole country, what's going on in Pakistan, on a few people. Due apologies from his mother. How very quickly, rather innocently, the point here, a perception is made, a view is stated, it lacks the clarity and the concentration and the focus on the specific. And it innocently or naively, it, it expands itself. And that image generates the generalization. It's an image. And the image doesn't have truth in it because it's an image. And I had a rather similar situation, uh, kind of another situation uh, with myself at home a few months ago. A uh, woman telephoned and said, Christopher, really, could I meet with you? Could we talk together? So, at my local curator uh, coffee shop, which serves five star soya latte, went there, and the upstairs is quite uh, quiet, so. Uh, it's kind of a well-kept secret to go upstairs in the coffee shop. And we had the coffee and she had a personal issue and we, we, we spoke to, uh, together about it uh, there. And very kindly, uh, uh, the next day, I was out, I came home to my house and on the front door step, was a bunch of flowers wrapped up in the nice wrapping paper that they use this bunch of flowers and I thought oh how you know thank you no Christopher it was really helpful blah, blah, blah. and took the, the bunch of flowers and as one does um, I got a, a, a bowl and some water put the flowers in the water and put them on the uh, on the kitchen table and then a few days later, uh, a friend of mine, a woman friend of mine, uh, dropped by for a cup of tea uh, there. And I said to her, I said, oh, no, this, you know, one of the people uh, in Totnes very kindly left me this bunch of flowers. So I put them in water and they're, they're on the table there. And uh, I said, you know, it's quite amazing. I said, they, 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 they just look just as fresh as. When I, when I got them. And she said, Christopher, I'm not surprised. They're made of plastic. <laughs> it, it, it hadn't occurred to me. <laughs> you know, maybe I'm male and out of touch, which could be true. It just hadn't registered. <laughs> not for a moment. From the time I picked them up and put them in the water, that they were plastic. No wonder they were as they were. Uh, uh, there. And sometimes in life, we, you know, we, we're carrying around an image, you know, that it, it, so to speak, it's the real. It's not. And I touch them, oh my God, they are plastic, straight out of some poor Chinese factory or whatever. <laughs> oh dear, oh, oh, oh dear. And sometimes the insight, insight, the clarity <laughs> of the other because sometimes you and I, we can't see 
what's obvious to somebody else. She didn't even have to touch them. She said, look, Christopher, they're plastic. Oh, my. <laughs> and I've been sitting in the morning having my moosey in front of these flowers. <laughs> what to do with this life? <laughs> so, sometimes in the exploration and in the uh, mindfulnesses and the, and the uh, 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 reflection, there can be a moment which the clarity is provided by the other. Sometimes the clarity is emerging from within. Frankly, I don't care what direction it comes from. As long as it comes. And it may well arise as well through the uncertain or uh, the unexpected uh, situations. And it's quite extraordinary how with the deep if there's receptivity, deep things can come in all kinds of circumstances, quite unexpectedly. Uh, uh, some of us, like myself, uh, we are poets, and with uh, poetry, some fi- I've found over the years now, one might be, as I do, write in a certain what's called classical form, the meter uh, form, and there is a certain kind of ten-syllable rhythm which goes with some classical uh, meter form in uh, poetry and a line just doesn't arise it, it just isn't there and one gets to know from experience there's no point in trying to think it out what's the line that's needed what helps to bring this poem uh, out that the very act of trying actually is getting in the way and sometimes we just let go I remember um, Leonard Leonard Cohen who in some of his uh, uh, songs uh, that beautiful one uh, Alleluia that he spent around two years on one song Till he knew it was complete. Now, the the, uh, the, the Duane uh, uh, elegies there of the uh, the uh, German Austrian uh, uh, poet Rainer R- Maria Rilke uh, there. He decided he would just be silent and quiet in terms of making the poems there. One year, two years went by, just waiting patiently there. He knew it would come. And it came. And some of the most remarkable European poetry of the last century he actually wrote it, wrote the poems, long length of uh, poems, in the space of two or three weeks. But it had a preparation to it in the silence. A long quiet, patient, silent period and then Rilke's poetry came out just burst out of him and that creative explorations and uh, impressions and I know for myself it's a very small time uh, modest poet that sometimes in the night gone to bed, gone to sleep haven't thought about the poem for days or, or weeks and then in the night it just 
comes. I won't say it comes from nowhere, but you know, it just. <laughs> I'm tempted. <laughs> it just emerges, and I've got a piece of paper and pencil there, and just. The actual ten syllables to complete a poem, and it just comes out. Wow, this life of the deep, the creativity. And when, when Bob Dylan said, people said to Bob, uh, uh, Dylan, many years ago, yeah, I, I inter- interviewed him a long, long time uh, uh, ago, and people said to Bob Dylan, oh, those incredible songs from the 1960s that you made, you know, such profound depths and insights. They said, Bob, why can't you write more songs like that? Like that? And he said, if I, I, if I could get to the place where they come from, of course, I would go and get some more. <laughs> of course I would. He's not stupid. He said, those songs came to me. That's deep. That incredible creative urge came to him. The Beatles, seven years, 200 extraordinary songs emerging out of the being. The tremendous love and vision and exploration and harmonies uh, uh, which are there. So sometimes in the collective, sometimes in the uh, individual, something of the deep we can respond to and it informs our life that creative urge, that insight and knowledge, that ability to be in the silence, the stillnesses of the being. All of that is, is to liberate that which is precious and it is a teaching of liberation. It's to liberate the beautiful, it is to liberate the love, to liberate the insights, to liberate the creativity, to liberate a full and rich life. That's what liberation is about. So we have our knowledge, we have our inspirations, we have our instructions, we have our inspirations, we have our reflections there, and I say, this process has got thousands of years of human endeavour to it. I didn't think it up, you didn't think it up. It's been going on for generations and it's going on uh, here. Hang in, stay with it, it's the best. <laughs> Let's have a quiet minute, shall we?
may all beings listen to the knowledge that transforms. May all beings listen to the inner voice from the deep. May all beings live with love and liberation. <laughs>